All right, we are off. Welcome to Scott Moffat's Team 21 podcast. It's a show all about the news and issues faced in the big Ward 21 in the city of Ottawa. Generally speaking, it's been a platform where Scott, as the counselor of the ward, could expand on various subjects. But of course, today's show is being recorded on the final weekend of Scott's third and final term as counselor of the ward, as he has opted not to run for re-election. So today is a little different. It's all about saying thank you and picking up on something that Scott's been doing for what seems like two years now uh, on social <laughs> media. Let us say hello to the good counselor, Scott Moffat. How are things? Everything is well, slowly but surely winding down. Uh, it's like uh, it's like I feel like, oh, I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do that. And then 11.59 on Monday night will hit and it just be, boom, it's done. <laughs> yeah, it must be a weird headspace. I mean, I... It's kind of interesting because uh, when I came to your office three years ago, I was winding down a, a career of my own. And it, uh, it's an interesting headspace, isn't it? The, going out into the great unknown. Well, it certainly is. I mean, it's it's something that obviously I, you know, I said I was, you know, I, I had thought of this a while ago. I mean, I, I announced I wasn't going to run uh, a year ago. Uh, it was November 13th, actually, uh, was the day I announced I wasn't going to run 2021. Mm-hmm. So I've been in this space for a while to know that this wasn't going to be the case. I, I knew I wasn't going to run well before that. Uh, but certainly as it, as it gets down to it, as you're coming down to the end, and then you know that come November 15th, like everything's gone. You know, your, yeah. your inbox yeah. is gone. You no longer have an email address. People, I will send emails in the next two days that I know people will try to reply to in a few days and just bounce back. <laughs> I do not exist anymore. So it's, it's certainly a... It's a funny dynamic when you're, I mean, this is, this is inevitable in this, in this line of work, you do it while you have it and then you move on. Um, but it's, uh, it's certainly a funny, a funny feeling when you're coming down to the end of it. That's a long haul. There aren't many counselors that go three terms as you did before you made the decision to move on to something else. I mean, when you look back at, at the 12 years, has it blown by, has it been an eternity? How do you feel about it? I think in some ways, uh, I think in some ways, October 25th, 2010 feels like yesterday. I mean, I remember it, I remember it so vividly on election night in 2010 when we won just that feeling and being surrounded by family and just everything that you go through in a situation like that. And then, you know, the, the, the constant uh, busyness that came afterwards all the way through right to Christmas, it felt like back then. Uh, but then there's other things like you look at, you know, the, the number of, of counselors that have turned over in my time here. And, you know, I leave, I leave as the fifth youngest counselor, but also the fifth, the fifth longest serving counselor. It's a, it's a funny, it's a funny dynamic in that case. And I leave with a lot of the folks with everyone that was, that was here when I got here. Um, the, the, the four counselors that have been here longer than, than I have that predated the 2010 election are also leaving this time. So it's, it's interesting to have us all go at the same time. Um, but no, I, I'd say that there, in some instances, it feels like, like the three terms uh, flew by, but really when you, when you start to dive into, you know, what we've done and, the work that we did and the the different issues that we dealt with, some took a lot longer. I think of, you know, some issues that I've been dealing with since 2013, and I I hand it off, and it's still the same issue. It's wild when that when that kind of thing happens, and and then there's other issues that just uh, that we're able to get done really quick. And when it piles all together, you certainly you certainly build up the 12 years. It must be an interesting spectrum of, on the one hand, you know, you're in the service industry effectively. That's what a counselor does. They're serving the community. 
And so there must be a lot of really, really gratifying elements to the last 12 years. Well, I mean, I feel good about it. The problem with, with me is I've always, I've always remembered my, um, you know, the things that I don't get right or the things that I didn't get done uh, more than I remember what we did get done. And right. I was actually just asked that this a couple of days ago by someone in the media was asking, what, what's, what are you most proud of? And I, I didn't actually have an answer. I just, it's not something I think of. And then she followed up with, you know, what, what are, what are some of the things that, uh, that you regret? And I had like an answer instantly. <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was like, Oh, I, I guess I just carry those with me a bit, a bit more than I carry with the, with me, the successes. It's easier to get things done and move on. Uh, than it is to move past the things that you couldn't do. Because when you live here, I mean, I've lived here my whole life. I, I drive around, I see the things in, in the community that we've done, but then I also see the things that we, we couldn't do or the things that, you know, just, just fell, fell off the, off the plate for, for whatever reason. And you know, that those issues will continue to persist beyond my time. And that's just the reality. That's the reality of this job. There is no finality to it, that the, the job, the work continues um, so I think it's, it's just, it's an odd uh, thing to always think about the things that you won't do. And I think for, for the rest of my life, there will be things that stick with me. I'll drive by a home, I'll drive by something and I'll always be like, ah, the one that got away. <laughs> I think there'll always be part of you that is in counselor mode. We all went, uh, you, me, Wendy and Brenda from our office. We went out to kind of a farewell lunch in Manitick. And uh, there were all kinds of conversations about the frontage of a store on Manitick, Maine. And, you know, I think that probably will always stick with you to a degree. Um, so let, let's get into things. I mean, part of the reason we wanted to do this episode was you had started on Twitter this massive campaigning, I'm not campaigning, campaign of thank yous. And uh, what, what, made you, uh, what made you decide to do that, by the way? Well, when I, when I was coming through to the end of 2021, I was trying to think, you know, there's so many people that I worked with over the last, over the last, at this point, 11 years. And, and how do you, how do you properly, you know, thank everyone? What do you do? And of course we're in a time where I'm not seeing as many people, people aren't in the office, people, we're not hosting community events. I can't just go out and do a series of town halls and get everyone out there. Uh, So I wanted to find a way to, to show that appreciation. I knew there were so many people. Uh, So that's when I figured, I think it was leading up to Christmas. I figured, uh, once, once the calendar hit January 1st, I would start doing these, these appreciative tweets and I got going pretty good. I had a whole list. I've got a, I have a whole, I'm a bit of a nerd. So I have a whole spreadsheet set out with uh, who I was going to thank on what day and in, in what order and why certain days fit for certain people. Um, and then, but then you know, life gets in the way or the things get in the way. So I, I go through it and I see that you know, I had a big gap in February. I wonder what was going on in February at the city of Ottawa that that's, uh, that would have led to me to jump <laughs> off Twitter for a little bit. But it was, you know, I I I would go out and thank someone, and they'd say, "What are you doing about the occupation downtown?" I'm like, "Oh shit, uh, yeah, no, that's right, that's right." So things would get uh, things would often get, you know, it's social media, it's Twitter. Uh, it sometimes gets pulled in a different direction that you're you're not hoping it would go in. So then you get off it for a bit, and then I got back into it. And different things. I went into May and then all of a sudden the storm happened. I lost power for four or five days. And then ultimately I just never uh, got back, got back into it, but it wasn't that I didn't forget. I, I wanted to keep on finding a way to, to, to thank people. And I've done that. I've been able to do that through a variety of ways, whether it's at committee or just seeing people in person, uh, but figured, you know, we did this, we started this podcast uh, during COVID. We started it uh, in order to get, to get, 
information out there to talk to people and to to have an opportunity to explain some stuff. So figured it'd be a good way to wrap up. It was a pretty good venture because we, I mean, I don't know that many counselors in the city of Ottawa had a podcast. And uh, when we started this one, I wondered what the response would be like. And, you know, some of them, you know, they were, they seemed like dry subjects to me, but we'd get, uh, you know, as many as 500 people tuning into various episodes. And uh, I mean, for municipal politics, that's a pretty good number. Well, we, we generally, if we host a public meeting and 60 people show up, we think it's a success. I mean, consider that. I represent 30,000. I'm one of the lower populated wards. So absolutely, when you when we started to, to sort of dabble in putting stuff out like this and then putting our town halls online, recording them and putting them online and the, the reception we got for those two, it was phenomenal. It just goes to show that there's there's always ways that you can uh, that you can sort of reinvent yourself and find new ways to connect with people. And I'm glad we did it with the podcast. I think it worked out well. And I was able yep. to really explain some things too in more depth than you can, you know, on social media and in an email. But yeah, so I, I mean, I want to just go through. I'm, I'm gonna might uh, got a number of names to go through. I'm gonna probably have some some stories about some folks as we go, but just going to start at the community level. So I, I had been doing, I had been doing appreciation for city staff as well as community leaders. So I have a number of folks that, uh, that are in the ward that have helped over the years or just deserve recognition. And I'm not going to repeat anything that I've already done before. We already went through you know, over well over a hundred uh, days of, of, of thanks for folks on both the city side and the community side, but it might be worthwhile to give people your Twitter handle as well at Scott Moffat 21, where people can actually see those thank yous. They're all there. I mean, if you if you if you parse through some of the uh, the condescending remarks that I that I put out every now and then, uh, you can you can find your way to the nice stuff. There is nice stuff on Twitter, and there's also you know assholery on Twitter, and some of it comes from me. I will admit, but the nice stuff there too. You should have hashtagged all the thank yous with uh, the non assholery. You know, just hashtag that anyway. It exactly. worked out great. It worked out great. It's really nice though, and uh, so we're going to continue along with that theme today here uh, in the podcast episode finale. Yeah, so I'll, I, I will leave it to you to get on with the thank yous. So we go back to the great place to start is the village of Cars. I, this is the you know it's where I grew up. It's where I went to school. Uh, it's you know, go back to 2006. It's the first election. It's the, the first election I ran in. It's one of the only two polls I won in that election. So the folks in Cairo obviously have a special place for me, but I had already listed a few, but two of them in particular that I wanted to touch on, Bill Tupper and Georgie Tupper. They're huge community leaders in in Cairo and beyond and the work that they've done with the Rio Township Historical Society, uh, Dickinson Square and Dickinson House and all the various uh, ways that they that they get involved. And I've always, I've been very fortunate to be to be friends with them I am really only a counselor in large part due to their involvement and support of me. Uh, so it, it's it's huge to start with uh, to start with Bill and Georgie, but also you know a good friend of of Bill's, uh, Carlos Adamson. He's someone I've gotten to know over the years too, and you know he's he's funny because I ran into him recently and he's like, oh, we didn't always agree on everything. I'm like, we really only disagreed on one thing, Carlos. <laughs> it was just it was just one thing. Everything else was good. So Carlos is a is a is a great. Uh, a great resident of, of cars as well and really involved in a lot of different things volunteered with watson's mill and mantic as well and you know from one small town to another it's, it's funny i put these two together often when i'm talking about about how different my ward is i say the folks in munster don't really care what happens in cars they're 40 minutes apart they just they just don't, it's just the way it is but so mm-hmm. on munster um, over the years I had a lot of chance to work with the munster community association and through that Henry Troop and Sean Hassanelli, Mary Sunderland, Laura, Laura Doan. Mary is a longtime resident, one of the original residents of, of Munster. 
And when we were talking about things in, in the village, about potential change and the school and growth coming, it was always fascinating because it was you know, Mary that was more open to change, was more open to saying, yeah, we need to you know, accept that growth might be the solution for, for the village. Where often you think that it's the, the folks that have been there the longest that are more resident to change, but that wasn't the case in Munster. And Mary Sunderland was one of the perfect examples of that. Um, from some of the residents too, I've always had really good engagement with with Glenn Gorey and Fred Wakash. They have this group. I'm not sure what they call themselves. It's it's not old farts, but it's something similar to that. <laughs> and uh, they always get together and uh, and bitch about things. But they're uh, they're good folk. And they Glenn's Glenn sent me an email a couple of days ago, and I went to school with his with his kids, and it's been fun to get to know. In a lot of cases, parents of of kids that I that I knew growing up, uh, and you know Glenn's uh, Glenn's a a good monster resident and always was good to, to get in touch with me on different things. And, and, uh, so I appreciate all the, everything that Glenn and Fred and our communication with them over the years, you pop down to, to Richmond. I think of the work of the Richmond Legion and the various people involved in that. Of course, my grandmother Hilda Moore was a, a past president of the Richmond Legion. And one of the more recent presidents, Brian Goss, always been a, a good friend and, and, to communicate with and, and the things that the Richmond Legion does for the village and running the Remembrance Day ceremonies. And it's been taken over by, by Eric Booth, who's a longtime resident of Richmond as well. Um, another, another good person that I've worked with a lot over the, over the years. And, and just as you go around the village of Richmond and the different people and the different leaders and Marion Scott, um, I've always, every now and then I've reached out to Marion for about history stuff and things uh, she knows quite a lot about, she knows more about, uh, about the history of Richmond than most people um, will ever know or could even <laughs> begin to, to know. You know, I think of Marion, Joan Darby, John Curry. These were just our local historians that are such, so valuable for our community. Uh, you know, when, when it comes to the, and then you had the community association, one of the past presidents was Don Flanders. We had another person involved with the community association in Richmond. So the Richmond Village Association, John Shearer, who really, you know, took a big, a big uh, leading role in the village in terms of communication. When the Stittsville News went under, John was there to help start up the Richmond Hub and to get communication out there so that residents of Richmond weren't weren't left behind. And he put a ton of effort into that. Um, there's other there's other leaders in in Richmond that's that's you know, serving in different ways. Chris King and Deb Mallet, they're both local business owners. Uh, Chris King owns King's Independent, and Deb Mallet owns uh, Danby's. Started in Munster and moved moved a location, brought a location into into Richmond, right there in the old in the old Richmond Bakery, which everyone knows well. Uh, so just the, the things that they do in the community, that how they give back. You know, they they live in the community, they, they make a livelihood in the community, but they also give back to the community in a lot of different ways. Um, and I remember Laura, um, Doug and Pam Champagne. They they've uh, they they're legends in the community and the the various fundraisers that they're involved in. You know, singing the the theme song to the Richmond 200 uh, celebrations a few years ago and I've gotten to know Doug and Pam really well over the years too. And if there's a, a fundraiser going on somewhere in the Valley, there's a strong chance uh, Doug and Pam Champagne are out there playing. Uh, they've invited me out to their place a few times. They have over on, uh, they've got a, a farm on, on McCordick and they, they set up, they set up shop right there in the field and start playing concerts for people and they invite people over for it. And it's, uh, it's phenomenal. And I've cool. always loved to, being able to, to talk to Doug and Pam, they had me come up on their, on their float once during the, during the Richmond fair parade, Doug invited me to, um, 
he was inducted into a local music hall of fame here in Ottawa a few years back at uh, center point and he invited me out it was really neat to to see to be there and to see people honor doug for his years of uh of service in 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 this area in the valley and sticking in richmond i mean i mentioned richmond fair and you can't talk about you know volunteerism and appreciation for for community without talking about the richmond fair and there's so many memories that uh that i have from from the last 12 years of being at the fair and having a booth for many of those years at the fair and the folks that helped out over the years. And I think of the president of the, or sorry, general manager of the, of the fair for so many years, uh, Dale Green and his wife, Marlene, who unfortunately passed away a few years ago. And they're just the heart and soul of, of the Richmond fair. So for so many years, uh, other people like Vivian Daly, who was a longtime treasurer, you know, these people to me are synonymous with, with the Richmond fair and then just other volunteers over the years. Um, Ian Stackhouse was a former president and Sherry Cavanaugh, who was along with Mark Todd, who look after the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the press, the fair. So like the, when you go into home craft, there's the word. Sometimes you're sitting here and you're talking and talking and talking and the word slips. So the home craft part of the fair. Uh, so Sherry and Mark were a big part of that over the years. Um, I could think of, you know, I wouldn't, a fair, wish a fair wouldn't be complete without running into Kenny Stout. Um, Kenny's, uh, one of the one of the good old lads in the area runs the Fallowfield Tree Farm. I, I think a couple of years ago I needed a load of wood. He brings it over right away. The dead of winter, get me some wood for the fire. So he's he's a good guy that I've gotten to know over the years too. The Stouts are uh, longtime Richmond residents, and you know his son Braden uh, got to know him well too. And um, just good folks, always helping out, trying to do what they can. I, I think Kenny's my age, by the way, and uh, I take great exception to you saying an old guy or something. Just, I said good old boy. <laughs> okay, good that's old boy fair. doesn't necessarily mean you're old. It just means <laughs> the type of person you are. Um, but you're, you are also kind of older than me, too. It's true. Too. It's, true. it's just true. Touch fair enough. A little bit. Anyway, <laughs> we can move on. Um, yeah, more more, more f- folks, uh, the volunteers in, in for the fair, you know, Boyd Dolman, which is another one that, uh, that's – longtime volunteer and just again it's just people i've gotten to know people that have made an impression on me uh, because of their leadership in the community the things that they do how they give back they're always looking to to support their community and like i said the richmond fair is synonymous with that and Lindsay, uh, over the years she's always been one to bring uh, folks who you know some special needs folks to the fair and, and have them come out and she's always stopped by the tent with them and and talk to me and it's been uh, it's it's been a pleasure and then you can't mention, so I talked about John Curry, or I mentioned John Curry briefly earlier, and of course I spent a whole day, I mean, I have to go back, I think I spent an entire, I dedicated a day to John Curry right after he passed away, unfortunately, uh, earlier this year. But John Brummel was his partner in crime, and a fair wouldn't be complete without John Brummel driving around in his golf cart taking pictures of everyone. So we've got a few of those. Actually, I have some of them that I ran into from 2011, and I can't begin to tell you how much the styles have changed in the last 10 years, Steve. Um, <laughs> my pants were incredibly large and I thought I looked good, but such is life. I appreciate John Brummel for capturing that and having me relive those memories. So I want to move into the greater Goulburn area. You know, these are people that I've worked with over the years and some in, in, on good issues, some on negative issues. There's always uh, rural Goulburn, has been one of the more challenging parts of the ward in terms of because of the 
some of the floodplain issues, some of the, the wetland issues, the different things that go on. It's a uh, it's a tough part of the to the war because there are those those challenges there. Mm-hmm. And I think of two gentlemen that their work on this predates predates me, Terry Hale and Mike Wesley. It's a big issue with Upper Floyd Creek, uh, some municipal drain application. It died before I was elected. Uh, these two gentlemen, they they poured their heart and soul in it almost literally because both of them suffered heart attacks as they were during this time when they were going through this and working with the city and working with the community and trying to get some solutions for this. And this is one of those, these are one of those issues that, that did not get solved. Um, you know, they, they were able to go in after the fact and do a bit of work to help, help alleviate the issue. But in reality, the, the issues that were brought forward on drainage in that area weren't resolved. Unfortunately, it's just, it's one of those things. And again, I talk about things that stick with you and that that's one of them. And I know Tom and Marlene Black are also in that area. Tom and Marlene Black have been involved with the, the Landowner Association, you know, big supporters of, of, of property rights and trying to get things done. And, um, you know, obviously also raise a lot of concerns about government's involvement in the, in their property. And they, they don't, they don't, they're not opposed to what the government can do, but they just want to make sure that everything's uh, fair and, and, property owners have a chance and they're not unfairly uh, treated by, by government at any level to that, to be fair. And uh, Tom Marlene have always been uh, good to work with for me. I know I went to school with, with their daughters as well um, back at, uh, at South Carlton. That, there's a lot, there's a big theme of that because there's a bunch of city staff that I went to high school with too, but I won't have to list every <laughs> single one of them. Um, and then staying in the area, you know, go out to Ashton, Stephen Lewis, former counselor um, back in the Goldburn days representing Ashton, you know, got to know him really well over the years. And he was always, uh, good to provide input on things going on in the in in the Ashton area. He's had a big role in in their recreational facilities in there and making sure that that's you know they get their you know they they get the attention paid to them from from the city and different things like that. So it's been good to work with Stephen. Um, come down a bit further south from that, and Dave Western uh, has been a president, longtime president, no longer, but of the Heron Lake Estates Community Association. And we used to have regular meetings with Dave talking about the issues, you know, in the greater Goulburn area and also just in that community. Uh, so always really appreciated uh, Dave. Another person I went to school with, uh, a daughter, Randy. Uh, so <laughs> I really need to stop doing that because that's going to, that's going to drag on. Yeah. You know, but, all um, these people. Yes, we got that. <laughs> <laughs> Shocking. I was a counselor for 10 years, for 12 yeah. years. And I know these people. Unbelievable. Uh, and then, uh, you're going to, Lastly, I want to touch on in in, in Goulburn, uh, Tom and Janet Mole. I remember there was a there was a day in in 2010. I was campaigning. It was about eight o'clock at night. I was going to go to one more house, and I went up this long laneway to this beautiful home and what looked like a winery. And sure enough, it was uh, Tom and Janet on their front porch, and they opened the winery a year later. I met them in around June or July of 2010, and in June of 2011, uh, they opened up their their winery, Jabalani. Uh, which has been a thriving business in, in it's a perfect example of rural tourism and, and agritourism and uh, been great to work with Tom and Janet over the last several years uh, while I've been here and uh, big supporters of what they do and what they bring to the community and, and the growth the economic growth that they've brought to you know rural Ottawa with that winery. And then, you know, if I move from there, talk about a couple the Keen residents is one of the, little known facts. And one of the odd things about Rita Goulburn is that it also contains the largest portion of former Nepean in any one ward. And there's two gentlemen, one unfortunately passed away recently, uh, Lauren Plunkett. He was involved with the Fallfield Community Association. 
uh, incredibly friendly man, super nice and and really passionate for his about his community. Uh, was heavily involved with the with the community association association there, and even wrote a book recently on the history of Valfield Village, which I have. So it's great to be able to have those memories and keep that uh, with me as I leave. And and Hank Shreel too. Hank Shreel is a resident, another Nepean resident. Actually, addresses cars because that's just the way things work. Sometimes uh, lives on Viewbank, and he was always good to 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 keep me posted. He always reach out about issues and things going on in his neck of the woods. And that's, those are those pockets of the ward where if you don't have, you know, eyes and ears on the ground can get forgotten sometimes. And Viewbank is in the Northern part of the ward, but really close to what's going on in Barhaven and the fast growth of Half Moon Bay. Uh, so really appreciated Hank Shreel over the years as well. So I'll come down to, uh, to North Gore and I'm going to start with a bit of a, a bit of a, it was a controversial issue. We all know, and I've talked about this in the podcast in the past, but the, the warehouse application in 1966, Roger Stevens drive. And uh, yes. I ended up working with a few residents on that, that, you know, didn't necessarily agree with where I was at on it, but I think their contributions really led to, to positive outcomes. Ultimately, you know, that file was appealed and, the appeals were were dismissed and and the the zoning has moved ahead but we made significant changes along the way in large part due to community input and i think of two individuals in particular jan and jitka capsa who live on on third line right near the property and very impacted by it they put an idea in my head which we ended up putting in place which was volumetric zoning it's the first volumetric zoning of its kind in in ottawa and we did that as a way to to shrink the footprint overall of the, of the property so that you couldn't end up with, you know, if someone comes and builds one warehouse at a certain size, they use up a, a permitted volume and then there's less volume to be used elsewhere. So if you decide that you want to go higher on your property, you take up more volume, which means you reduce the footprint of your size of your building, but you also reduce the footprint of what else could be built there. And I think that's a huge step uh, for that property because that wasn't the case before. You could actually have quite a bit of... Uh, of land coverage on that property if it was developed as it was zoned originally. So I think from an environmental perspective, from a setbacks perspective, a lot of benefit from that. And the other one is uh, Teddy Laframboise, who's someone that I've worked with on a few different, a few different things, whether it's a ditching and drainage issues or, or in this case, the 1966 Roger Stevens file. But uh, Teddy was, was really kind of the lead on it. And um, you know, always respectful. Uh, if you, if you could have someone on the other side of an issue, quote unquote, on the other side. Um, it's nice to have someone like Teddy because of the respect that they have and that they share and they can, they really showed that. And uh, I had a chance to sit with Teddy too. And we have a lot of interest in common as well. So at, a, at, a, at an event once and uh, you know, really, really appreciate uh, the time I've had uh, to get to know Teddy and then just uh, the work that she put into. And I think, I think they see, you know, it, it might seem like a loss for the community because they did, they did fight it and they, it didn't, wasn't successful. But I think, uh, long term, I do feel there's wins there uh, because I think what they've what they've done led to a, a better a better outcome. Uh, and then you know just some some quick comments on on a couple of their folks and in in Richmond, I remember providing thanks for someone who had led the the Richmond Facebook group. And I, when you're a moderator of one of these groups, or when you're the 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 administrator for one of these groups, it is. Is quite the challenge because there's constant information coming up. And Candace Moffat is someone I think of uh, who was involved with this, with the North Core Facebook group. And 
uh, just managing all the different people on there and the different posts and you know what's proper information, what's misinformation and just the effort it takes to put into that. And Candace does that. I mean, and if you manage a Facebook group, that's all volunteer. I mean, it's, it's, it's the epitome of volunteerism because there's just nothing in it except for just having a space where people can talk and then, and to manage that, to make sure it's respectful, um, huge debt of gratitude for the folks that do that. And Candace is, is definitely one of them. Just moving a bit, a bit west of, of North core, just a quick shout out to the folks that run the Pierce's Corners Hall, Marlboro Community Recreations Association, a few folks that have been there for, for a lot of years and helped out. And I've had dealings with Jen Wallace, Nancy Grundy, Sally Smith, um, super appreciative of, of folks that put their time and effort into, into recreation associations and, and running these, these buildings. Uh, so I'm finishing off on the community side with, with Manatic and there's a lot of folks I've worked with over the years in Manatic from a, a variety of perspectives. I think of the the hard work that the Kwanians do. I'm a member of the Manatic Kwanis club and the effort they've put into, they run Dickinson days and they, they do all these different things in the community. They put on these parades and Bob Simpson, Brian and Mary Cromie, Dale Davidson, Alan Hahn, uh, Daniel Guffey and Laura Glasper, who are members of the, of the Kiwanis club, but also do their own events in the community. And they started the, um, one of the runs in, in Mantic a few years ago and they've just built a great little business. And then now they own a, um, a restaurant, uh, 692 in, in Mantic as well, which is really popular on the, on the main street. Uh, Gary Colomb, who Steve knows well, cause Gary Colomb's the one that, uh, that Steve has to interact with uh, from time to time on, on an advertising perspective. Gary is a unique, unique character, but also would fight to the death uh, to anyone who disparaged me. So I always kind of appreciated that. Uh, Gary is a, uh, I've known Gary since I was a kid because he used to own the video flicks oh. in, in Manitick. And I was a frequent uh, customer of video flicks back when I used to have a password to have to rent movies and give your family password when you rented a movie. My password, our family password was camping. I don't think I'm giving Uh-oh. that away because the eclipse <laughs> is gone. So I think it's safe. I think it's safe to spread that password now. Um, so really, really love Gary and uh, his passion for the community. And he's, I think he ended up growing our Qantas club to be the fastest growing Qantas club in the whole, in the whole region at one point. Um, and then finally, you know, Kwanians and, and moving, uh, into kind of seamlessly into the community leaders perspective, folks like Larry Ellis and Noel Norenius who have been in Mantic uh, for, for, for ages um, and the contribution they've had, they leave such a lasting impact on, on the community just from the volunteer perspective. And, and Larry is, is a noted uh, historian and keeps that and shares that with, with the community, which is so important. Um, some other, some other folks I want to, the, I think of the Youth Amantic Association and the work that they did. And that's something that we've been involved in with support of, 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 of that association. Our golf tournament goes to benefit um, that organization as well as the, the youth organization in, in Richmond. And Leanne Vanderbilt, uh, Janice Domoratsky, that YOMA does not exist without the work of those two. It's so important that people like them exist in the community that go out there and go out of their way and put the extra effort in to create those spaces for, for our youth. Uh, we had an issue years ago where we needed something like this and Janice really started that ball and Leanne's absolutely taken it and ran with it. And they've both been great helps to our office over the years. The, the Mansing Village Community Association, another, another asset to the community, the work they've done over the years, uh, Grace Thrasher, who 
was recently, recently stepped down as a president. I was tremendous to work with. Giulio Maffini was also a, a, a member of that, of that organization, got to know him really well. He was a relative newcomer to Manitic. He, I think even people who moved to Manitic 40 years ago are still referred to as newcomers, but Julia's a bit more recent than that, uh, but quickly got involved in, in working in the community. Uh, Lori Gadzala is another person that's been involved in a lot of different things, the tennis club and various different ways uh, to give back to the community. Um, similarly, Wayne Freetag, he's someone that's that's been in the community for a lot of years and I was able to work really closely with on, on a Riverwalk development. Um, and he really took the the lead on on working with the city on concerns that their community had with development and how we could work it out and i think it ended up being a fairly good relationship and so really appreciate when people do that and they take that effort um, rather than you know our office trying to work with a whole host of people someone like wayne you know brings people together and it was one voice for the community and you often need that you know like we need that help we need those i mentioned before with with hank with the eyes and ears and someone like wayne freetech really really did that. And there's the business side of things too. There's the business side of Mantic and the, and Salim Ismail, who was the president of the, of the, or the chair, sorry, of the uh, Mantic BIA for many years, uh, local business owner, you know, good friend and, and some of the stuff that they do. Those are, those can sometimes be thankless positions too. Those are volunteer positions, chair of the board and everyone on the BIA has a, has a role to play and they, they always work for the betterment of the business community. Uh, Salima had taken over, for Mike Mursky and um, got to know Mike Mursky really well when he was the chair of the, of the BIA at the start when I first got elected and, you know, really admire the work of, of that they do as, as, as chair of that, of that organization uh, in growing business and working with Donna Smith, who is the, the executive director of the BIA and just what that does and the growth, you know, we don't realize people, the community like it doesn't realize it, but no one puts on more events in Manitic that benefits the community than the BIA. Uh, they put on a bunch of different things. They've, they've started the the Taste of Manitic, the Women's Day, all these different things. It's it's so important. It creates that community spirit. And we have 120 thriving businesses in the village of Manitic and in no small part because of the work of the of the BIA. And one of those businesses that unfortunately uh, we lost a few years back was V's Cupcakes. And Veronique Ailing was, was the V of V's Cupcakes. And... You know, before they lost their business, they did a lot of work in the community and a lot of fundraising for um, awareness of Lyme's disease. Um, that's something that Veronique had and it impacted her every single day. Um, but she persevered. She worked through it and her business was phenomenal. I, oddly enough, I had gotten cupcakes at V's Cupcakes uh, the day uh, before it burnt that night. Uh, so we had to, it, it was interesting because at, at, at my house, I think someone had eaten the last it was a key lime one. Somebody eating the last one. Oh no. And uh I do vividly remember saying, I'll just get some more. And then that oh, night, yeah. that night there was a fire in, the, in that entire building and and it and the business was lost, unfortunately. And you know, sometimes businesses can't recover from from those devastating fires. And these cupcakes was unfortunately one of them. But when Veronique was there in Manitic, she had a, a huge impact uh, when she was there and the work that that she did to make the community better and to raise awareness for, for Lyme disease. Um, two other quickly, just to, to other people, Rich McDonald, former counselor. Um, he is, you know, colloquially known as the mayor of Manitic by a lot of folks. 
Um, someone who's always around, you know, knows the history of Manitick, has been uh, there for many years, uh, married into a local family, um, and has been a good friend as well over the years. And I just ran into him at uh, Remembrance Day, which was nice to see Rich out looking well. Uh, but um, yeah, many, many years and many contributions to the village of Manitick. And someone that, that's left as well, but used to work at, at Watson's Mill, uh, Isabel Jeffreyon, who, when I first Stoke was elected, uh, was I think one of only two staff at Watson's Mill. Uh, a lot of the work that she did grew what Watson's Mill is. Uh, now they occupy the, the carriage shed. They run a big program there, and they do a lot of good work uh, with that. Um, speaking of Watson's Mill and Dickinson Square, a lot of people have been involved heavily in, in making that place a success. I think of Doug Cullum and Maureen McPhee, Jerry Linda Riesbeck, uh, Ted Ross and Bonnie Gray over the years. Ted Ross was involved with the construction of the of the Remembrance Park, which is right next to right next to Watson's Mill, which a uh, beautiful location in in the village. Something that Alan Hahn was also involved in, um, and now gets run by the Mantic Legion. So the folks at the Legion try to help with maintaining that space uh, for. Uh, for the future and for that remembrance element right next to the cenotaph and two of the two of the legionnaires that have been involved heavily in remembrance day over the years dennis osmond and richard coles in the village of manatic so uh, always appreciates what they do and how they contribute and run a, a phenomenal uh, service that mantic always has as well as the services that they also run in cars and, and north core and then finally on the community side uh, the goldberg museum i Huge passion. I have a huge passion for local history, and the Gober Museum is is a group that shares that. Uh, the staff I've probably worked with over the years the most: Tracy Donaldson, who's still there, and then two that who had who had left: uh, Sue Woodford and Catherine Jamison. Worked closely with my office on making sure that we could share information about what the Gober Museum does. Uh, but they are a, a great a great resource in the village and a key to remembering the past and, and what came before us. Are they planning to, just out of curiosity, are they planning to stick with the name? Because, of course, we know the ward itself goes from Rito Goulburn to Rito Jock for a fairly specific reason. I'm just curious to know if they're they're considering a name change or if they're full steam ahead. Yeah, so they, they do acknowledge that. They do acknowledge that history of Henry Goulburn on their, on their website. And they've talked about, uh, about that history and making sure how important it is to share that history. Uh, but they also, you know, recognize that they are the museum that represents the former Goldburn Township. So they are one, and we are of like mind on this, is that you, you know, changing a name isn't about erasing uh, the past. It's not, it's, it's that you still have to commemorate that, remember that past and what the, if that past is good or bad. Um, I think the difference, and I don't, I'm not sure where, where they, they will go with that. I, we've seen other, other clubs, uh, two local sports organizations change their name uh, following our ward name change. But ultimately for me, it was a ward name. Um, I wasn't changing the past. I wasn't changing Goldburn Township uh, history. The history is what it was. And the name was what it was. Uh, this was just simply the name of a ward. And we figured it was made more sense to change that moving forward. And as of Tuesday, November 15th, it will be known as Rito Jock. I've been mistakenly referred to as the Rito Jock Counselor uh, in recent weeks, but that is not accurate. That ward does not become a thing until November 15th. I get the confusion though, because I'm the Rito Goldburn Counselor and the folks who ran for re-election or for election in October were running for a Rito Jock Counselor to replace me. So uh, but it is officially a Rito Jock come November 15th. 
And we haven't been calling it Rito Goldburn for the last year and a half anyway. So we've been pretty much most <laughs> of our branding has been Team 21 and we've just carried on like that. So ah, Rito Goldburn's dead to us anyway. <laughs> the Rito part's good. Yes, of course. Not the Rito parts. Along with Rito. All French right. word for curtain. Is it? Yeah. Huh. Okay. There you go. Uh, moving on. Moving on. So this is, uh, I get into a bit more um, on the staff side. So I, I've i had a long history of working well with staff. That's something I pride myself on, something I've always felt is necessary uh, toward the success of any counselor is working closely with city staff. Except for me, because of the Leafs senators thing, right? Yeah. That's that's yeah. always driven a wedge between us. <laughs> it, has, it has. That's actually why we never see each other. We only work remotely. Uh, and that was in your contract. I mean, ultimately, yes. um, I worry about you near me, knowing I am a Leafs fan. I just I can't <laughs> guarantee how you'll act Fair around enough. me. Yep. yep. Uh, so I always try to keep a – I mean, you called it a wedge. I call it a, a major kilometers-wide divide – I think it's been it's been beneficial for us. Yeah, we actually yeah, have never true. met in person. I don't know if you know this. Uh, it's true. But to the listener, Steve Warren and I have never met in person. We only interact. This is why this relationship has worked so well because yeah. COVID forced us uh, to never meet. Yeah, it would have been so very volatile otherwise. So, but I will get to people that I have met before and, and do like to work with. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so I'll start with uh, with folks in our. So as many listeners might know. I chair two committees at the, at the moment, the Environment Committee and the Planning Committee. And through that, work very closely with, with staff. And you know, from that environment side of things, um, you know, source water protection, staff member there is Tessa Diorio, and she's done a ton of work at, at implementing the source water protection plan for the city. There's a lot of, a lot of intricate details in that. And, and it, within those groups that look over environmental type files, you know, Nick Stowe, Amy McPherson are, are great uh, staff at the city that I've worked closely with on, on various things and always appreciated my time working with them and their leadership and also their pragmatism. It's not, you know, I think often from an environmental perspective, some people think that folks are just gung-ho and they, they, they don't think of, of residents. They don't think of certain things, but um, being able to see different perspectives, I think is, is key to success of anyone. And I think Nick, uh, it's a great example of that as is Amy. And then on the solid waste side of things, the environment file is, of course, a big a big piece of of that is, is solid waste in the landfill. Uh, the last few years I've been working on the solid waste master plan and that team, uh, which includes you know Lindsay Webley and, and Andrew Gay Farley, Shelly McDonald, and I've named others in the past when I've been doing my my, my thanks online, like Nicole Hoover Beanash. Um, the work that they do, the team that they've put together to build a solid master plan is going to be a big part of the next the next term, and hopefully it it succeeds. Uh, is is essential uh, to the growth of this city and how we manage waste going forward. Marilyn Chernow was the longtime um, lead of the solid waste group, and we're closely to her with with her over the years. In fact, her and I ended up going to Tennessee to to, to tour a a uh, a waste energy facility that. You know, may or may not be in the future for the city of Ottawa. I think it's actually a good, a good project and something that could really benefit the city, uh, both financially and environmentally. Uh, so, we interested to see how that how that progresses, and that's kind of a part of our our solid waste master plan too. And looking at you know what's the future of trail? How can we how can we find ways to get away from that? And then one of the the realities of of the trail or landfill is getting garbage there. And over the years, uh, there's not many things that 
you just get more complaints about than, than garbage and how the city responds to those complaints and garbage collection uh, is huge. And uh, two people that have made me look good many times over the last few years are Ray Garner and Andre LaPlante. They are, they were, so one after the other, our go-to when it comes to resolving concerns, uh, any collection day concerns. Ray and Andre have both been uh, phenomenal at responding quickly and helping out. And then the landfill itself, the managers of the landfill over the years, uh, Matt Cavanaugh uh, toward the beginning of my time, and then more recently, Jason Standforth. Um, always been good to work with. I mean, when you have a landfill in your war, especially the city landfill, having a relationship with these individuals is, is good and to work with them. Uh, so I've always appreciated the work of, of Matt and Jason. Oddly enough, Jason was a former a roads manager. Matt is currently a roads manager. So they kind of bounced back and forth uh, between those departments. The other group that I, that I work with uh, closely as chair of uh, planning, especially with the official plan that we just uh, went through for the last term of council uh, is obviously our planning, our planning group. And it's taken on different names over the years, planning growth management uh, back when John Moser was the head of it. And then it became the planning infrastructure and economic development department. Now it's the planning real estate. And so I don't even know now. It's just so many different names. It's just all acronyms. As long as you know acronyms, you can be a city councilor. That is the key. <laughs> Remember acronyms and you go, I just forgot an acronym. So that's why it's time for me to leave. Yeah. Uh, yeah you're you're purging, of. you're purging all the information now. <laughs> just, <laughs> just one acronym uh, at a time, just exiting my brain. <laughs> but Steve Willis, who ended up replacing uh, John Moser was with us for about five years, uh, left earlier this year. Uh, he uh, was an absolute uh, uh, asset uh, to the city you know, we don't get a lot of stuff done at the city without uh, the work that Steve did on the official plan, on even things like Lansdowne and on the economic development side of things and how we grow that and what we do there. Uh, always appreciated uh, Steve's direct nature and his straightforward approach at committee and council. Always able to to explain complex matters very easily for some of us lowly councillors. Our simple... Some of, some of us have simple minds and we need complex things explained properly. And Steve Willis is always good at that. <laughs> uh, other folks that we worked with on, on the, the official plan, Don Herwire, uh, David Wise, you know, more recently, Derek Moody, who was when I first started, was the city's rural affairs officer and then moved around, went to the real estate group and is now back as a plan manager, manager at the city of Ottawa. Um, long time, long time city staff and, and, and a good friend, Derek. Um, always appreciated working with him. Uh, he replaced Leanne Sneddon, who is another person who has roots in the ward in the cars area and was the head of our planning group for, for a while as well. Worked with, with Doug James, um, who just also recently retired. We had a lot of people uh, just retire at the city of Ottawa and it's a lot of uh, knowledge went out the, went out the door when they, when they've, when they've left. And but we have a lot of new folks coming in and, and younger, younger folks coming in. I think of Geraldine Wildman and Sean Moore, uh, Adam Brown as well, who took over for Derek as the rural affairs officer for the city and then is involved with our rural planning group. And then those rural planners that we deal with over the years. And I think in the past, I'd mentioned uh, Jeff Ostevichuk, um, Sarah McCormick and Laurel McCrates and Cheryl McWilliams are all planners we've worked with either currently or, or since 2010 on planning files in the rural area uh, and always been great to work with. It's I have a huge passion for planning and, and working with these individuals as we work on these documents and different applications over the course of my time in office. And they've been phenomenal. Uh, they've been a phenomenal team in the planning group and 
everyone there should be really proud of the work that they do uh, to make this city a great place to live because they, uh, there's not there's not a lot of more things that we deal with that are as complex as, as planning files and policy and all those different things. And these folks are, are great assets to the city. And then there's the, the behind the scenes folks, the people that make the city run, the clerk's office, the legal, well, let make council look half decent. Um, I only say half because we often make ourselves not look good. So they make us look great and then we bring it down to half decent. Right. So it's it's our fault, but not the work that they do. And those I'm start with the, the city clerk, Rick O'Connor, was also the city solicitor. Uh, he's been a huge resource for me over the years. Anytime I have a question about something like anything on uh, on a procedure or, or history matters when it comes to how municipalities work and other municipalities, what goes on elsewhere, Rick is it. And you know, Rick is an uh, invaluable resource for, for the, the – I don't know what the city looks like without yeah. Rick O'Connor. He's the gatekeeper of all the rules, it seems. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, he always has the answer. I mean, you can sit there at council and be like, well, what's uh, what's the scenario here? And Rick not only will have the answer for this scenario, he also have examples of when it's happened in the past and how we dealt with it then. So he's he's one of the folks that have made council operate smoothly, uh, even in the face of silly councillors who want to fight with each other, like we have so much over the last few years. Right. But hey- neither there nor there the term's over so that stuff doesn't matter and then on the legal side of things the folks in that department i will get to some of the folks that have worked with rick and i've worked with over the years in the clerk's office but on the legal side of things uh tim mark uh, taffy Nas, um, tim mark i don't know what you could say about tim uh, he is probably the best municipal lawyer uh, in this province and he is a phenomenal person to, to, to know and to talk to. Um, I once, after COVID kept us apart for so long, I, I greeted Tim with a hug. I scared him because I hugged him from behind. And he said, that's the first time a counselor's ever hugged him. And I'm like, ah, oh, it makes no sense, Tim. You should be hugged by every single counselor every single day because of <laughs> the value that you bring to the city of Ottawa and how easy you sometimes make our lives by giving us <laughs> advice that makes sense on so many different files. And and from the back to the clerk's office and the folks that help run committee. Um, you know, currently, our deputy clerk is Caitlin Salter McDonald. Previously, we had Don Whalen as our deputy clerk. I've talked about Leslie Donnelly in the past in in, in on the Twitter thanks. Um, and then their team. Currently, Tyler Cox is there. I went to high school with with Tyler. I've known him for years. I'm hopeful that starting November 15th, he'll start to call me Scott again. Because 12 years of being called counselor by someone you've known since you were 14 is a super weird thing. That is weird. Yeah. And then all the, all the, the people that work in the clerk's office that run committees, and I've worked with a lot of these folks closely over the years, just through the various committees, whether it's Melody Dufinay or Deanne Blay, Chris Rakowski, uh, Kelly Crozier, Carol Legault, Eric Pillow. Um, these are the folks that work behind the scenes. These are the committee coordinators, the ones that help the committees run smoothly that interact with the public, you know, put, put the agendas together, especially in the age of, you know, how quickly we had to pivot from in-person meetings to online meetings and zoom and how effortlessly they did that and ran that was amazing. And also important to the city, especially in the rural area. So that was the behind the scenes. And now we talk more about the, the operational side of things and roads and the various folks we've worked with over the years that have helped us out tremendously. I mean, these are 
Um, we don't get complaints about or concerns or comments or requests about things more than than our roads department. Uh, so the individuals that work there, and I've talked about them in the past, but a few more today. So Brian Denyes, Grant Hill, Bob Campbell, Larry Sample, Travis Drowski, um, and then the managers of the group, Kevin Wiley, Lila Gibbons, and John Manconi over the years, and the leadership that they've provided to help that team grow. Uh, but customer service is always at the front uh, for these individuals and working with us and and then just relaying that information to residents, having that one-on-one conversation with residents. And they've always been good at that. And there's someone that in particular that always did that better than, than almost anyone else. And his name's Randy Beck. And when he retired, he left a huge hole um, because he was so reliable for us. And when, when I come in in 2010 and I you know, just learned the job and I don't know these things, and then you meet someone like Randy Beck who is so calm and so relaxed and so well-spoken and understands the issues and really knows how to relate to people and how to connect with residents. And when you have someone who's upset about something and you know as an office that you can rely on someone like Randy Beck to go there and talk to that resident and explain it, but also be receptive and listen and have the resident feel heard. Uh, Randy was amazing at that and helping our office and helping residents. Uh, he's been missed uh, since the day he left the, left the city. And we, I know, speak for Wendy too, because Wendy is often the one that that dealt with Randy and and different issues. Uh, it was phenomenal having having Randy here and people like that at the city that really help out. And Grant and Travis are more of the next generation of that. And really, Matt Moffat's another one that I've talked about in the past and going out there, going out of their way, but really just that taking your operational role and understanding the customer service aspect of it is really important. And from an infrastructure perspective, you know, we talked about roads, but then the infrastructure services group, um, asset management over the years, you know, there's been a number of managers of that, Alain Gontier and Kelly Martin. Uh, more recently, it was Jen Nielsen who has just moved on to something else, but I worked closely with all three of those um, in many ways to, to get work done. I think I shared a few weeks ago, a, a map of all the work that was done in the ward from a renewal perspective, and that's you know a huge testament to the work that they do behind the scenes to prioritize these roads, but then also you know how the importance that they lay on it and, and bringing uh, funding requests forward to the city and understanding that it's it's such a big issue to make sure that we do that. Uh, Karina Duclos also heavy involved in in construction files and, and Marco Manconi helping to grow this city and, and how we manage big growth projects. Uh, Marco was the lead staff member on uh, Lansdowne when we did that original redevelopment of Lansdowne. And you know, we all know what that looked like before and, and getting that to the finish line. And Marco was a, a huge part of that. Um, and then on more, more local stuff and some of the projects that we have, let's say in Manatic, you know, Julie Lyons was the project manager on the David Bartlett park project that was, you know, slightly disruptive because we had to close the park for a bit. But I think in the end, What's been done there, you know, we had to put a water main in in the ground to extend that service to make sure that we have that backup in Manatic. Uh, Julie led that project and was phenomenal with it. You know, everything that's related to water, infrastructure, sewer in Manatic, uh, in some way or another was involved with with Joe Zagorski and, and John Bugatis, how they plan that, how they build it, how they make sure that, you know, staff and sort of residents have the ability to connect to that in the future. We have a new water main that's going to be going under Long Island and Van Vliet residents will now have the ability to connect uh, to municipal water through that service, much to do to the work they've done. Because for years we said that you couldn't do water unless you had a sewer as well. 
and that that option doesn't exist for those residents. But uh, we found a way to to ensure that we could do that uh, with the water service that's coming. So that's a project that's likely in the next two years. We just finished the, as I mentioned, just finished the water main project in our David Bartlett Park, and then there's more to come. So when it comes to working with our office and then various complaints and stuff, obviously, unfortunately, uh, bylaw is a big part of that, and. We have a good team at Bylaw. You know, some have some have come and gone. I think of Sue Jones, who who headed the the Emergency Protective Services group for for many years. Lynn Anderson under her, and, and Roger Chapman has taken over that role. You know, a local resident, big time hockey volunteer in the community, and now the head of Bylaw. And then the team that, that he has, and Tanya McCumber, Jake Gravel, and the work that they've done worked with our office to help respond to concerns and, and find that sort of soft spot sometimes on, on very difficult issues. Um, and then other officers that have helped our other bylaw officers that have helped our office, Zandra Charbonneau is one of them, uh, Derek Petch in the past, and Christine Hartig from more of a bylaw policy perspective, working with us on, on different issues through the city. I think back to when we had to do the kennel bylaw through our Agricultural World Affairs Committee and Christine Hartig was was big into that and, and making sure that that worked out well and all the different intricacies of of the kennel bylaw and keeping dogs and pets and all these different things. It's It was surprising. We had 33 delegations and I think we went six hours that night um, and an evening meeting out in Greeley. But uh, you learn a lot of things when you're a counselor and the things that that really you know move the needle and the kennel bylaw was certainly one of them. And so I really appreciate the work that Christine did on that and so many other things. You know, building code is another one that we rely on that team to help our office. Frank Bedin was chief building official before John Buck took over. So John's there now. I've had to deal with John a lot lately on, on unfortunately, a huge issue in, in Manitick. And these things, you know, one of the first suggestions I make to any counselor is try to get a, if you have, if you have, you know, issues in the war that are related to building permits and things like that, try to get a briefing with, with building code staff, because I think it'll really help understand the dynamic of some of the issues. Cause there's always a few sides to everything and the building code folks can really sort of give you a, a good sense of that. Richard Ash is, a, is someone that we've worked with closely to over the years. Um, Terry Hunt, another local resident, but um, heavily involved in, in, in the building code group and really, really easy to work with and, and deal with. And Lori Doler, who recently left our building code services group, but worked here in our building in North Gore. And it was a really good asset, really good resource for us to be able to go and just walk down the hall and ask her a question and help us get back to residents about various issues and really knowledgeable about the role. Um, so I'm you know, happy for her. She's moved on to a different role in the city. Uh, but you know, we really, really appreciated everything that Lori did here in, in, in our office in North Gore and then for the residents across the city, but specifically the ones that, that, that we had to represent. Now, I mentioned earlier talking about roads and the impact of roads and infrastructure. Then there's the planning side of things and there's the, the, the traffic management side of things. And that comes in our transportation services group. Uh, worked very closely with, with all these people uh, over the years on a, a variety of issues and issues that I could probably have wrapped into an entire podcast as it is. And as you note, um, I talk a lot, so I don't want to take too much time, <laughs> but I just think it's important to, uh, to recognize the work that these folks do. Phil Landry. You're a thankful uh, guy. <laughs> well, if only I just kept tweeting every single day, I'd be fine. <laughs> uh, kids, put down the phone, dad. Put down the phone. I'm like, I'm tweeting. Uh, okay, sorry. So transportation, uh, Phil Landry, Greg Kent, uh, Rob Wilkinson, uh, Scott Muir, Frank McKinney, Vivi Chi, and Self. They're 
you know, between all those groups, all those people I just mentioned, there's not a lot of projects that I've done in this ward, whether it's the Van Vliet Extension, the Roundabout at, at Barnesdale, uh, future planning, the, the, the work that we did at, at Prince of Wales and Bankfield to improve that intersection, uh, some of the, the stuff that we've done on, on future plans for, for Carp Road, you know, all those jobs are all done working with the individuals that I just mentioned. And Scott Muir has helped a lot in, you know, our traffic calming work and the, the flex stakes and the, the display boards, the speed display boards and the things that help keep our community safe. And then, you know, it's transportation, but it's also transit. Pat Scrimger. Pat Scrimger is the only person in the city I know that walks around with the uh, transit map in his head. And every single bus route in his head, the numbers and the routes and the configuration. Uh, he is a walking resource uh, for for members of council and has been great. Uh, when we wanted to do some things, unfortunately, COVID threw a wrench at us. Uh, but we were planning on expanding the 283 service in, in Richmond because it was so popular. And Pat was instrumental in helping me uh, get to that point. So that's something I hope you know can can live on, that the plans are there. Uh, so if you get the rebound of the service back, you'll be able to sort of hopefully get back into a situation where you can have great transit in, in, in Richmond and have that service grow so that we get better, especially with the growth coming, you know, you want to see that and you want to see people have the ability to be able to get around easily. Um, mentioning Richmond, you know, I mentioned the Richmond fair earlier. The Richmond fair was never complete without Scott Clatt and Dale Hill, they work at the Richmond arena. Uh, they'd always come out and, and spend time with us and they would work long hours those weekends and the, the facilities folks at the city and the two managers that we've had over the years uh, in Richmond and, and just in North core area, Al McNaught who retired several years ago and Corey Colpitz, who's currently in that role, um, you know, great assets for us to work with them. And the, they're really the kind of, these folks are unsung heroes in the city when it comes to all the work that goes into managing arenas and managing rec facilities across the city. You don't hear from these individuals. They never appear at committee or council, but they're out there doing the work and getting things done and just helping people. And anytime you have an issue, um, especially during the fair, uh, Scott Clatt was phenomenal during the fair. Uh, anytime anyone with the fair board needed something, Scott Clatt was there. Uh, Dale Hill would often... Dale Hill even moved to a different different uh, job elsewhere in the city, but would come back and take shifts during the, the Richmond Fair to help out. So nice. him and Scott were always a team that we'd see together and uh, really appreciative, really appreciative of, of their work. And my whole team is. I know Brendan and Wendy would, would say the same thing about, about Scott and Dale. Um, finishing up, I'm going to go to a bit of a, an odds and ends, but just want to touch on the, the financial services group. Ken Hughes, Wendy Stephenson, Isabel Jasmine, Joseph Mahoney, all work in our financial group. Wendy's currently the, the CFO, Isabel Jasmine, uh, treasurer and in charge of financial services. Joseph Mahoney's a deputy treasurer. Ken Hughes is a former deputy treasurer and then the auditor general. Um, they've worked so well with us. And and I could, I could have stories about each one of them as to what they've done for our office and how they've helped out. And Joseph and I worked together on a thing in college ward when I had to be the cover off as the counselor for there for a little while and super great people and always quick to respond and quick to help out and, and, and whatnot. And, and lastly, just on the, on the city staff side of things, I'm going to go over some, some, some other people in a bit, but the, this is kind of an odds and ends. They don't really fit in any group. They, they, 
they're all different roles that they've performed for office. Um, you know, Aldo Chiappa worked doing a bunch of odd jobs, but he was really sort of, uh, if there were events at, at city hall, he'd be the kind of behind the scenes guy and, and doing that type of work. Janice Egan uh, also worked in facilities, but really helped city hall work. And, and, you know, when we needed something in our office, at the city, or if there's something going on behind the scenes, Janice Egan was there to do that. You know, uh, any issues that we had on for the office on, on traffic or lighting or street lights and these different things, we'd have uh, Stuart Edison, you know, Greg Sargent and the work that they did. Uh, Bill Harper was the surveyor is the surveyor at the city. And there are times that we'd go to bill and bill would get back to us and get what we need. You know, Dave Barkley was is a volunteer firefighter in Richmond, but also does facilities and was the was in forestry for a bit. And was, I think he always got a kick out of being you know, Barkley working in the forestry group. But he's now with facilities, so the joke is the joke is no more. <laughs> but loved working with David, Kevin Lamer, who just recently stopped by at uh, at the office out here. Um, Any times when we'd see. You know, when development goes past the approval process and through construction, there's issues during construction. There's a team that's involved with that. And we work with Kevin Lamer on anything that post-construction and impacts that proper implementation of plans and whatnot. Kevin would be there. Uh, Allie Robinson, another person doesn't really fit into a, to a box. He's He was the main signs guy at the city. Uh, every time you see a, a street sign or a road sign, it came through Allie Robinson's shop and small little things. And Tom Helam was, was also with that group, but he'd be the guy that would be out there. You'd have a, a stop sign get broken or a speed sign needed to be replaced or something. Tom Helam was, was the guy he'd, he'd help out. He was a quick phone call from, from our office to Tom and he'd be out there doing that work. And then Lorene DiNardo is someone who's been in a few different roles at the city, currently working with our right away group. Used to work out at, at Ropec. I spent uh, some time with Lorene when she was overseeing our, our, uh, Oh my God. I can't remember the, the, the it's, it's when we take uh shits and put it on farm fields, but uh biosolids. Thank you. It's a much nicer way of putting it uh, than what I said, our biosolids yep. program, which is all vetted by the ministry of environment. Uh, but that is a program that's run through the city with a contractor and uh, Lorene spent some time with me going over that and understanding it, going through really the whole process of where it starts at ROPEC and which is the, the, waste treatment facility for the city of Ottawa. And then as it gets processed and, and applied and, you know, tilled into a field uh, for fertilizer. And it's something our local farmers use uh, quite often. Um, and th- this is probably going to be the worst segue of, of the evening because farmers and the RVCA don't generally get along, but that's what I just ended up doing in order to get to the RVCA was to use the farmer piece, but that's just a reality. I'm, I've been a board member of, the RBCA for, for 10 years now. Um, had my last meeting with them a couple weeks ago. I've mentioned a few, every time that we did a, a RBCA meeting when I was doing my, my days of thanks on Twitter, I'd always have an RBCA appreciation tweet. Uh, they're the general manager there, Summer Cass Green Robertson worked with her very closely over the last, uh, over the last, uh, she's been there for like eight, eight or nine years by now. It's, mm-hmm. it's wild how fast that time goes. Um, also, Diane Downey, Glenn McDonald, Michelle Payton, Emma Jackson, who was a reporter with Metroland and, and went away and came back and now works at the RVCA, which is phenomenal. Uh, Eric Lalonde and Jamie Batchelor, who do a lot of the planning files with the city through the RVCA. And Ferdos Ahmed 
oversees a lot of the, the floodplain mapping files, those things. I mean, we all know that that can be contentious floodplain mapping and Ferdos is always great to work with on that. And Jan Lemera too is another person at the RVCA that we've worked with. Then going back to, to when I first started, one of the first people, I, two of the first people I met with after I got elected were Terry Gervais and Paul Hutton in our fire service. They were the two sector chiefs and they both went on to be chiefs elsewhere. Um, now, Paul Hutt is the fire chief for the city of Ottawa. Terry Gervais went on to be the chief of, of Napanee, but they were my first my first foray into city of Ottawa um, fire services uh, because they were the chiefs for Sector 8 and Sector 9, which are fire halls in in, in the ward, whether it's North Core, Manitick, and Richmond, all fall under uh, those two sectors. Um, the current, current and former sector chiefs, uh, Adrian Dearman, Tom Miller, Jerry Pingatori, uh, Todd Horrocks, uh, Dave Clark, who was a chief, uh, a rural chief out here, and then Joe McLaughlin, who's currently one of the sector chiefs as well, was able to have a lunch with a number of these guys in the last couple weeks. And uh, thanks and appreciate all the work the fire services do. And, and then not just, I mean, it's all volunteer out here. Uh, Richmond, Manitick, uh, North Gore, huge teams of folks that we've that we've worked closely with. Um, Many of them I've mentioned. I've mentioned because they they work at the city. Uh, Matt Moffitt, uh, Dave Barkley, these guys are they work in they live in the community. They work at the city. They volunteer uh, for fire services. They, I could list. I'd love to list every single uh, volunteer that works at these at these fire halls because they they deserve that appreciation uh, because of the work and the effort that they put into um, into the job and, and keeping us safe. And their response times are phenomenal. It's you know, people often say, well, wouldn't we be better served by full-timers? And I, I can tell you that our volunteers are, they rival the, the full-time fire services when it comes to their response time to fires out here, any calls out here. Uh, they do, they do a lot of great work and we're very lucky to have them. Uh, similarly, um, our local, our local police, um, our community police officers that we've had over the years, Peter John, Aaron Daniels, Jeff Costick, who's currently the one um, have been really good for us to be able to connect, be community leaders with, and and come out to Peter was was amazing. Peter Jean is someone that was built for community policing. Uh, his his uh, demeanor, the way he you know, he engages with people, he's always got a smile on his face. Uh, he was an amazing community police officer out here for for us in the in the ward. And I know Wendy was able to work closely with with them. And then one one officer that's not community police officer, but actually was in charge of recruiting for so many years and still is Maria Keen. Uh, this person lights up a room, and I've really enjoyed any time I've met with Maria. And you know, her role is to is to if you've ever seen on on Twitter, they do these these job posals, and Maria is a big part of that and and getting people offering the, their positions on on auto police service. If they go through the whole process, and then they finally get the offer, and uh, and Maria really takes a lot of pride in in building those new teams and bringing new people in and, and, and helping that, that recruiting process at the, at, uh, at auto police service. So really good. And then you, I'm going to slowly wrap up here. I imagine you're all looking, this is the longest podcast of life, but this is what happens when you've been here for 12 years. If I was only here for four years, the podcast, well, first of all, we didn't have a podcast back then, but also it would have been a lot shorter, but unfortunately after 12 years, you get to know a lot of people and there's a lot right. of people that helped you along the way. And I only have like two days left. So I'm really just trying to get this in. Um, but so from the police perspective, I, I, I've had the pleasure of working closely with, with most members of council and, and 
you know, had a good collaborative relationship with, with almost all members of council, but some, some more than others. And, you know, Jan Hart is one of them. She was our neighbor uh, to the North in the Barhaven ward, obviously in more recent years with the development there, I had part of Half Moon Bay. She had part of Half Moon Bay. I had part of Stonebridge. She had part of Stonebridge. Um, but we have similar interests and in we're to how we want to do the job and why we're here. So Jan and I have always got along really well. I think we had, we had, we had one crusty moment in the first term, which we, we had, it's one of those like necessary fights. Like you, you fight to know you respect one another and then you move on. Right. And we had one of those in a phone call once. And then we've been great ever since. We don't always agree all the time. And sometimes we, we, we butt heads. I think there was an issue with the OP that we, that we went toe to toe on, but uh, that's good. I mean, that's what, uh, you know, you do that and you, it's respectful. It's you, you respect the other person's opinion. You might disagree with it, but but I've always appreciated uh, uh, Jan. She's been you know really nice to support me and, and the things that uh, that I've done. And we've just got really close over over the twelve years uh, working with her. Um, so just you know, she's obviously uh, leaving too. She was first elected in nineteen ninety seven and put her heart and soul into into Barhaven. I mean, she is Barhaven. Barhaven is Jan Harder. You know, everyone in that in that ward has a lot has a lot of appreciation and time for for Jan and her passion for that community, and it shows. I mean, you can, the, the stuff that she she bleeds Barhaven. And then similarly, when I when I got elected in in 2010, I got elected with uh, with 10 new members of council, and Jim Watson was one of them. Um, so I've only known one mayor. I've only from from day one to our final day here on November 14th. Uh, Jim and I come in and leave at the same time. And I've always worked well with Jim and I've, he's, I've always been straight with Jim. I've always, he's always knows, he always knows where I'm coming from. I think in politics, people think that I can get nasty sometimes, but I always feel that as long as someone knows where you're coming from, and even if you don't agree, as long as you don't blindside them, you know, you, you can always work well together. And even the times that we disagreed, you know, we move on and you move on to the next item. And uh, Jim and I have always been, been good at that. And there's only been a, uh, maybe it's been a handful of things over the years. I could think of maybe a couple from each term that we that we do. But also, sometimes when we disagree, uh, we find ways to to work it out. We find ways to 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 resolve the issue and, and find a way to to make it better for both of us. And uh, always, he's always been willing to do that. And his team is a big part of that too. That the staff in his office: Serge Arpain, Daniel McGee, Matt Gravel, Robin Guest, uh, Patrick Champagne, Graham Ramstead, James Arn Brewster, Adam DeCare. Bruce Graham, Livia Belsia, Ryan Kennery, Liam Harrington. These are all the folks that I worked there over the years that I worked with that helped that team represent the city of Ottawa, but also helped Jim and help have helped him be successful uh, over his 12 years as mayor. And we're always, they always had an open door for members of council to go in and, and talk to maybe, maybe not all members, of council, <laughs> but, but it was okay with me. I was always able to get in there and, uh, and talk to them and work with them on, on a, a variety of issues. And then, you know, I'll, I'll mention two uh, provincial MPPs that we, that we worked closely with Lisa McLeod and, and Yasser Nakfi, you know, conservative and a, and a, a liberal, but uh, two that both you know, were passionate about Ottawa. And there were a number of issues that I could think of that both Lisa and Yasser were able to help. Elisa was able to help on a lot of things when she was in opposition. And that just showed because she was able to work with, with people who weren't necessarily in the same party as her, uh, but all cared about Ottawa. And I could think of a number of times that Lisa worked with whether John Fraser or Yasser Nakfi or Bob Shirelli to help get something done for her community. And Yasser Nakfi, I remember specifically, um, we have a crosswalk 
on Main Street Mantic and one just opened in on, on Perth Street in Richmond. Those crosswalks exist because Yasser helped change the Highway Traffic Act uh, in the province of Ontario for the city because we were looking for the crosswalks in the province of Ontario were ridiculous. If you could put one in, you could paint it, you could put a sign up. If a pedestrian got hit and it was pedestrian's fault because the law in Ontario in the Higher Traffic Act was not on the side of the pedestrian. Uh, it was only Quebec and Ontario that had that law. In all the other provinces and all the states in America, if you got hit in a crosswalk, it was the driver's fault, but not in Ontario and Quebec. It was your fault for getting hit. And we all know who wins those battles when a pedestrian gets hit by a, by a vehicle. Right. Um, so, Yasser was great to help uh, lobby that change in the Howard Chaffee Act. It resulted in us being able to put in those signalized crosswalks in our communities. Um, so you, know, you need to be able to work with other levels of government. You need to be able to have those strong teams in place to get things done. So I finished off with two teams. One is my team in the office. You know, Steve, obviously, you're, you're one of them. You've been with me for the, last, for the last few years. And when we first started, December 1st, 2010 was my first day in office, and I had four people walk in the front door with me that that day. It was Jason Coolis, Karen Wilson, who both ended up moving on. Karen was with me for six years. Uh, Jason uh, left. He's actually working at the city now, which is great. Uh, two others that started with me that day, Brenda Aguanaga and Wendy Eberwine, they will uh, retire on November 14th, 2022. They've been with me every single day of this journey, and that is not always common to have people with you this long in, in my, my line of work. Uh, there is often a lot of turnover and Brenda and Wendy have been like family uh, through this whole process. And then over the years, we had a couple of people come and go. Uh, Jessica Mastronardi was one that was with us. She started as a student when she was just 19 and now she's working with Microsoft. Um, Kendra Hoskin was with us. Uh, Karen, Kendra came in, took over the role from, from Karen. When Karen left after, after six years, uh, Kendra was with us for four years and ended up uh, getting a job in the city, which is great for her. She's got a young family and to be able to see her move on from my office and, and secure a good role in the, in the city is, is really nice. And we've had some, some help from, from, from some students over the years that became staff as well. I mentioned Jessica, but also Grace Donnelly, who was with us the last couple of years working with us as we wound down the office. Uh, so we, I can't be successful without them. I often, when I talk about issues, I usually use the terms we, uh, because it is us. It is us that put it together. It is, uh, it's never me alone. It's often working with my team uh, to help represent residents and I'm nothing without them. But the, you know, a lot of the emails that come in, they're intercepted by, by Wendy or you know, over the years by Karen or Kendra or Grace, uh, Jessica and, and, and the work that they've done uh, to help us uh, represent you, represent residents. Um, Steve, of course, has been a, a great asset. You know, I don't have a podcast if it's not for Steve coming in and, and, and working in our office. And then the work that Steve did through COVID, getting information out there, the feedback we've gotten on our e-newsletter and sharing, you know, timely information. Uh, it's been it's been noticed by residents. And, you know, I'm appreciative because that, you know, a strong team, great people in my office make me look good. And that's, that's half the battle in this job is looking, is looking good. And if you can yeah. get the right people in place to help that, and I feel that we've done that over the last few years. And then lastly, I talk about my family at, at the city, my team at the city. Um, I'm nothing without my own family. And I started this job with, with two little kids, a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And I leave it with a 16-year-old, a 14-year-old, 11-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a three-year-old. Um, one kid per term. <laughs> I'm going to call it kids. <laughs> But 
they've been incredibly supportive. Uh, my kids have. I, you know, in 2018, I had a chance to to bring Lane and Peyton out to do a door knocking with me. I always felt it was safer. I figured people are less likely to harass kids at the door than they are to <laughs> harass me. Uh, so I just sent them instead. I just threw them to the wolves, and they all went well. Uh, nice. But then my my parents, you know, my mom, and my dad, they've put in so much time into this. When I did elections, I have a very small election team. Um, every single large sign was always put up by my mom and dad. I never had anyone else put a large sign up except for those two. Wow. Uh, that's four elections, 2006 all the way to 2018. I think they were ready for me to call it quits too. Uh, because as I get older, oddly enough, so do my parents. And yes. they are slightly older than me. So it's uh, it's a lot of work to put into an, into an election campaign. And uh, my siblings, you know, Sherry, Steve, and Chris, they were always there to help out too. Whether it came to taking signs down, we only had a short period of time to take signs down. And they would always, they live, they all live nearby. Uh, my family is all, all pretty close. I mentioned my grandmother at the start, a uh, longtime Richmond resident who passed away before the 2018 election. Um, it was a big, a big help and a big uh, supporter and really was grateful to be able to serve on council for eight years with, with my grandmother, uh, knowing that and being a part of it. And, you know, it wasn't just them. It was my, you know, my wife's parents, but, uh, you know, Jill and, and her parents uh, helped out too for over the years. And you always need help. I mean, with this, with this, when in this type of job to help out with, with the kids or all these different things, when you have late meetings, uh, it's a big part of it. And yeah. having that support at home and the support with my family to, to, to pitch in was, was huge. So that's it. I probably spent a lot more time than, than I expected uh, going through that. Uh, there were a lot of names, but there's a lot of people over the years that I really appreciate. And um, if you listen to the whole thing, then good for you. Uh, but thank you too. Thank you for listening and thank you for being a part of this and, and tuning into our podcast over the last couple of years, even though we, we haven't done one for a little while. Uh, but uh, appreciate you listening to them and, uh, and being a part of it. And that's only part of them, right? I mean, there's a over a year's worth of other daily thank yous on your personal account at Scott Moffat 21 on Twitter. And before we go, is there anyone you'd like to thank? (laughs) (laughs) That's a that's a very complete list. No, I I kid, I kid. Uh, The Academy (laughs) Awards Symphony is playing you off the stage right now in a gentle. We started playing about 45 minutes ago. Um, yeah, thanks for the kind words on my front, by the way. I'd like to say my own thanks to you, Scott, for trusting me to help out with your office's communications role in the past three years after my radio run came to a close. Um, I appreciated that uh, you've kept your love of the Leafs to a dull roar. Um, but I did, I, I honestly had a chance to see you in action. I know that people have this jaded, some people have this jaded idea about counselors like, uh, oh, yeah, he's a. Uh, you know, he's in it for the, he's doing this and that. And it's like, you know, I, I saw it up close and you were in it for absolutely all the right reasons. You did a fantastic job in your 12 years. I saw the last three up close, but uh, yeah, um, I wish you all the best of luck in the next chapter. Thank you, Steve. And same to you, you as well. We, of course, invite you to listen to previous episodes. They'll up, they'll be up there for a while. They'll be up there. Uh, we're not sure how long exactly, but uh, yeah, they'll be up there for a while to uh, hear about more about Ward 21 and the things that Scott got up to in his time as counselor. We want to thank you very much for being with us. We want to thank you for all your support and best of luck to all of you in the future.